Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's a Sunday afternoon, and um, I still have my mother's yard side, but I finished the Asim and the Hadron. I'll put it out online in a little while, well, certainly on YouTube, I'll see. Not sure if I should put it out for a podcast. I don't know if people are interested in this, you know. Uh, it's more like a, you know, Gemara thing. But, uh, uh, or a Gadotah, I might say. But, uh, be that as it may, let me proceed to do the bio now because I have a very packed week. I have to get ready for a uh, series that I'm doing. And what I'm going to be talking about today is actually, you know, to this. That's why it, it ties in. Today's podcast is being sponsored by the Stefanskis. Um, we wanted to do it, um, and this is in honor of his daughter Aviva's graduation, so that's nice. Um, and the reason we wanted to do it, I think, is because I, I'm going to talk about somebody connected with the Rambam, and especially the philosophical side of the Rambam, and what I intend to do today, although I have to watch myself, this is something that could go for four hours, and I don't want to do anything like that. I'm always trying to keep myself to 30, 40 minutes, uh, not with much luck often. The um, what I want to talk about is a person you probably never heard of, and who's famous in a certain way as a kind of a footnote. Sometimes people are famous because of the associations with which they're connected. People they're connected. In this case, the guy's connected with the Rambam. So the person himself is not somebody you ordinarily would have heard of, uh, unless you were a super nutty anal uh, specialist, you know, beyond beyond. On the other hand. Uh, he plays a very important role because he's to spur the muse of Maimonides to get him to write the Marnabuchim. Okay, I'm referring to a person uh, called Yosef ben uh, Yehuda, Yosef ben Yehuda ben Shimon. He used to be called Yosef ben Aknin. So you'll find in a lot of the old books and Sparm, you'll see uh, communication between the Rambam and Yosef ben Aknin. Uh, but in the last century, we discovered that actually historians conflated two separate people. There was one guy called Yosef Ibn Aknin, who talked knew the Rambab. That's what makes it confusing and they corresponded. That's one guy. And then there's somebody totally different. And that's the guy we're talking about today, our hero, which is Yosef Ibn Yehudah Ibn Shibin, not Yosef Ibn Aknin, who uh, came to be uh, somebody closely connected with the Rambab. <clears throat> and what I intend to do, as you'll see in a minute, is take you into the side of the Rambab. Usually most people are not familiar. They didn't even exist. So, for the first part, we're dealing with somebody who's contemporary in Maimonides. The Rambam, of course, lived from 1138 to early 1200s. So the Rambam is a person who lives in what we call the 13th century. Um, I'm sorry, the 12th century, right? I mean, we can agree on that. Um, let's just see over here. Yusuf bin Yehudo. There we go. And um, what do you call it? They're speculating. The Rambam was born in 1138. No, it was almost 1140. They figure this guy's born around 11, 6, 20 years, 25 years younger. They don't know for sure. They both live and overlap at the same time. The younger guy lived next to 20 years. Not surprising. And uh, he's from Ceuta. Uh, you might not know where Ceuta is unless you're familiar with Spain and the um, North African coast. 
I was in a couple a trip a couple years ago. I mentioned sometimes where we went to Spain and uh, and uh, Morocco, uh, Gibraltar, and Tetuan. These are located in a country called Morocco, but on the coast of Morocco and Algeria uh, are two leftovers from the Spanish Empire. They're still ruled by Spain. Adayam is that's most unusual. Uh, Malia and Ceuta, and um, uh, believe it or not, these are places where the Jews were not kicked out in 1492. It's a long story. I, I think I mentioned this in the in the distant past. And uh, you can still go there today if you want to. They're always hemmed in by the Arabs. But so far, Spain is holding them. And uh, in the time I'm talking about, Spain didn't rule it yet. He was contemporary of the Rambam, says the Almohads, those uh, vicious Muslims who prohibited the Jewish religion. <clears throat> so we're dealing about a Jewish guy, and we are who's living in Ceuta in the time when the Rambam was 20 years old, 22 years old. That is when the Rambam was always on the run, hiding. And uh, as I've described in the past, the Rambam at the age of 13, the Taliban took over. He had to pretend to be Muslim, him and his family, while secretly they practiced Judaism. And uh, here's a guy that's born in the same environment, not in Spain, but across the way from Spain, across the sea. And uh, let's put it this way. He grows up. His father was an artist, doesn't matter. And he's there for 25 years. That'd be 1160 to 1185, approximately. Approximately. What's happening when he's growing up the first 25 years? Moses Maimonides flees that part of the world and runs away to Egypt, right? The Rambam was in Morocco and such places, very near what we're talking about. And then for various reasons, he left there, him and his family, and they ran away to Eretz Yisrael, all the way on the other side of the Mediterranean. And after all kind of adventures, they end up in Egypt. I think you more or less know that. And the Rambam spent the rest of his life in Egypt. So by the time he's in the late 20s, or so he's already in Egypt. And uh, that's where he spends the rest of the time. So, and in Egypt, when the Rambam was in his 20s, shall we say, he rode to Parish Mishnayis on the road and settling down. In his 30s, he wrote the Mishnah Torah. So, if the Rambam was born in 1138, he wrote the Mishnah Torah, I guess we'd say, uh, in the 1170s. Uh, at that time, our hero today, Yosef ibn Yehud ibn Shimon, was still living, you know, over there near Morocco. Uh, so, in the 1170s, he wrote the Mishnah Torah, I guess. In the 1180s, so the Rambam born in 1138, so... Um, He's in his uh, 40s already. That's when the Rambam was already a different point in his career. Again, by the time he's 40, he finished the Mishnah Torah off. What do you do next? This is when his medical practice took off. His brother died and he had to go and practice. That's when the Rambam's medical practice took off. And became more and more involved in such things. You know, a full-time doctor, you can't write the Rambam. Now, um, uh, this is in the 1180s. It's also clear that the Rambam uh, was, to a certain degree, frustrated. <clears throat> now listen closely. I'll do the best I can. Uh, if you're a Rambam, in his time, if he looks around the Jewish world, what do you see? Uh, you see a hamunam of Jews. Um, some are not from. Some are from, but they're, uh, what do you call it? You know, traditional. They don't know why they do what they do. They just do it. From, from, you know, minhug. You, you, you keep Shabbos, you kosher, whether you do it right or wrong, you know, like is always the case. You practice this, you dive in this way, that way, 
whether you do it correctly or not correctly, as you do mitzvah nashim lamada, so to speak. Um, they're not intellectuals. And then the Rambam surveys the intellectuals as he looks around them in Egypt and places like that. The intellectuals fall into two types. A, the uh, the learners, the yeshivsha types. So they're intellectual, but they're very narrow-minded. I'm talking about from the perspective of the Rambam now. They're in their mind. They have no education secular, and they don't even have uh, the kind of secular knowledge that would help them learn Torah. Okay, and more importantly, they don't have the kind of secular knowledge which would enable them to. It's not a question of learning Torah. Understand uh, Judaism. Okay, so they might think that God gets angry and mad. Some might even think that he has a hand. I mean, you know, whatever it is. They're real from, uh, you know, like Yeshiva should say today, uh, they're certainly Shomer Mitzvahs. Their learning consists of lumdas, uh, like Yeshiva types. They're not very good in Pesach Aloha. They're so-so. Uh, and um, their intellectuality is entire within, entirely within the Dalai of Torah. So what from a from your perspective would be considered good from his perspective, it's not. Because the Rambam, as a result of his particular career, remember he, he had to fake out when he was young being Jewish or not, and he had a secular education of a first rank, and he used it for the Yiddishkeit, and therefore he's viewing these, uh, through these lenses, the, the people around him. and the. Uh, so in other words, uh, you find a guy who's very good, I'll use modern terminology, even though I'm being, uh, what's the right word, anachronistic, the guy's very good in Gemara Rishonim, and so forth. Along this, uh, he doesn't know anything about uh, you know any secular study whatsoever. Doesn't know math, doesn't know science, doesn't know logic, you know th- those sorts of things. And he doesn't want to know either. So Ram's got no time for those guys, also. But they're from, they're from, and then you have the intellectuals who are not from. These are Jews who either they went off the derech. Or they had a Shiva education, but the secular education led them off the derech, or something like that. No, because once they learn secular studies, they become very skeptical towards the Torah parts. They are members of the Jewish community because this is the 12th century, so you didn't leave. But within the Jewish communities, <clears throat> they're the ones who are always causing a lot of trouble. So, for example, if this Greek list we get about Korach and the ground swallowing him up, there's a guy sitting in the show and saying, You really believe that baloney story that the ground swallowed him up? What's wrong with you? The whole story's made up as a bunch of cockapool, this, not in the other. Now that's so uh, the Rambam can't stand that either. So what you don't have is what the Rambam is looking for, and that is the person who's, uh, which everybody's always looking for, a person who's from 100%, but also educated 100%, and therefore brings a logical and rational perspective to the very from Judaism. You know what I just said? Logical and um, uh, educated perspective to um, to the to from Judaism, then you use your limuni to make you a medakev of mitzvahs and that sort of thing. That he never finds anybody. Now that's not what Egypt was was like. There weren't a lot of people like that. Uh, there were a few, but not many. And the Rambam, I think, in my opinion, never made a big yeshiva because he wasn't the type. I mean, he could have, you know, if anybody could be a magid shir and have organized shiurim. My goodness, it would be him. If there's anybody who knew Shas cold, it's him. That's a fact. You understand? When they say Shas, Bavli, Yushalmi, and so on and so forth, everything. 
So, you know, if you can be doggone sure that he, he can organize model classes, but he wanted not just people to learn Gamar and all that, although he certainly did want that, uh, but he wanted people to learn philosophy at the same time so that they will understand the Gemara and, more importantly, the Maskanas of uh, Ashkafa, right? Ashkafa uh, properly, and then be able to guide their fellow Jews like that. That he can't find anybody. And then along comes our guy, uh, Yosef ben Yehuda ibn Shimon from Seuta, and he writes um, to the Rambam. Uh, he actually flees like the Rambam did at the age of 25, probably for the same reason. It's too hot, uh, Muslim, Islamic-wise. And he runs to Egypt for the same reason the Rambam did, because there the Islam was tolerant. And um, he's 25. He already went to study medicine. So in other words, probably the same, most likely, it's just like the Rambam, he faked out being a Muslim when he had to, but secretly was a from Jew. But he got a college education, as we would say today. Um, not like the Rambam, who was a super genius and had an extremely thorough education. He had what we call a medical education, which was pretty scientific, but you didn't have to master all the different subjects over there. I'm saying this for a reason. Um, here, let me put it this way. Like Maimonides himself, and probably like Muranos throughout the ages, and I've discussed the Murano phenomenon in other centuries, they encountered Judaism they never saw before, right? They, they was all hiding. You know, it was practiced secretly. They never saw full Judaism. Well, we all know, full Yishka is not so impressive. By that, I mean the Jews, <laughs> right? Maybe Judaism is, but not the Jews. And uh, he doesn't like the fact that people seem superstitious and uh, the Frumkite doesn't ennoble them and uh, they seem narrow-minded. And second of all, he's had a secular education so what do you do with a lot of the aspects of the Torah that seem to clash with the secular education, especially the supernatural, right? It's always a problem. Uh, do you take everything in the Gemara to supernatural literally? No. Do you take any of it literally? Wait, you don't believe in miracles? You know what I'm saying? But how do you know is it a miracle or not a miracle? How do you know this is meant to be taken literally or not? This is the Pandora's box I've spoken of many times. And so when he comes to Egypt... At this age, and the Ram's already established person over there, the Ram's been in Egypt for over 20 years, he's already in his middle of his medical career, he's getting to know all the VIPs among the Goyim, he is recognized by the government as the uh, top doll Jew, the Nagid, he's the head of the Dayanim, he's an eminent person, a very eminent person, and the Goyim respect him because he has a secular education, the Rambam I'm talking about, and so our hero goes to him, he says, you know, I want to learn by you. You look to me to be the model Jew. I'm modeling myself on you. Okay? I'm modeling myself on you. Uh, so I'm going to be uh, a great uh, Jewish uh, scholar uh, and a doctor and all the rest of it. See, but the problem is like this. Rambam was a genius. His father was a genius. The brother seems to have been also. So if you're Rambam, you can secretly learn, even while you're hiding like Anne Frank, you can learn Kola Torah Kola become a bucking shots and post him. Not everybody's able to do that. Our hero, Yosef Ibn Yehuda Ibn Shimon, was a great man. He wasn't a Rambam. Very few people aren't. And certainly in his capacity to memorize whole encyclopedias worth of information 
Jewish and secular, and then uh, then have it meshed together. Very. Few, that's why we look at the Rambam as unusual, uh, brilliant today. And so the result is he hooks up with the Rambam. I'm sure the Rambam teaches some Gemara and stuff like that, but he also taught him uh, what he said were uh, holes in your education. Okay, holes in your education, even your secular education. You it seems that you learned enough to be a doctor. But not in the classic Aristotelian fashion with a liberal arts education as well. I want you to have a liberal arts education as well. By liberal arts at that time, they don't mean what you mean today. They mean logic, mathematics, and astronomy. <clears throat> and the Rambam, of course, knew all these things cold. And the Rambam is delighted to find a student who's actually interested in this. In other words, a guy who wants to be from, okay, uh, who, who, who clearly demonstrates if he got an MD, it's not like getting an MD today. It's not. But still, you see the guy, a player, he's serious. Uh, and he's coming to you and saying, I have holes in my education. How do I be more like you? I want to be the perfect understanding Jew and to be able to believe in God and the Torah, all the rest of it, without just mouthing it. Okay? Without just saying it. So I think they learned for two years. Uh, and again, I don't know how much time had to learn with him because he's always complaining he doesn't have time, which is true. But he set aside time, and then the guy left on friendly terms, and they remained friends for the rest of their life. And he moved to Aleppo in Syria. And um, as we'll see, here in Aleppo, which is a rich community at that time, not only in Deal today, and when he was in Aleppo, so uh, he set up a medical practice, and he also seemed to have set some kind of yeshiva or something which never made any sense to me. Now, that means that um, he has a relationship with the Rambam. He was a Talmud of his, although not in the usual way that you understand the word Talmud. If I tell you somebody was a Talmud of Rashi or Rajput or Ritva, you mean he learned Gemara with him for so and so many years. Here he learned like secular studies, although I'm quite sure he must have learned um, Gemara stuff as well. Uh, and the problem is, that he never did get from the Rambam what he wanted, which is, I want somebody that can for him for all my kashas. I have spakers in Amuna. Now, I'm a from Jew. I'm sure I'm a But I have issues. Um, I have issues. The Rambam would admire that, but the Rambam would say like this, but I can give you the answers to the issues. Not that it's a good idea to run out of the issue. That's like a modern Orthodox today. It's good to live with tension. The Rambam's not a guy like that. <laughs> not in the Middle Ages. Perhaps I can give you the answers. But in order to give you the answers, you have to have propedeutics. You have to learn certain disciplines to teach you how to think logically and in order, then apply it to Torah matters, and then you'll see the answers to your questions, and you'll be able to believe in your heart what you say with your lips. Now, that never happened, at least as far as I know. Okay? As far as I know, it never happened, which is very interesting, because he writes later to the Rambam, and he says, you know, you told me about this beautiful girl. I forget exactly how it goes. And, uh, you know, this girl ran off under the chuppah. Words to that effect. You know what I mean? This girl ran off under the, uh, under the chuppah. And uh, what can I tell you? Uh, the Rambam writes back. <clears throat> well, it's very interesting. The Rambam says, I guess, uh, you haven't pursued her right. Or, some, you know, something like that. Uh, but she's still beautiful or whatever. And uh, that's the derech to go. Uh, but if you have fakers in the mood, is it better just to be from <laughs> just be from uh, which means ultimately he was a disappointment to the master 
But maybe he had to be only around Ram to pull it off. As we all know, to pull off the Lamudi Kodesh and in a successful way is rare. It can happen, of course, but to pull off the Lamudi Kodesh and in a successful combination is not so common. It certainly wasn't common in the 12th century. Okay? So I'm dealing with a very complex relationship. But on the other hand, they were friends. And the guy looked at the Rambam as a real role model. And so, um, he, and they corresponded. You know, Aleppo is not that far from Egypt. And as a matter of fact, at that time, depending on the years, it was all part of the Saladin Empire, the Ayyubid Empire. So it was in the same uh, empire, you know, as far as the uh, communications is concerned. And, um, and there's a correspondence, some of which, a little bit of, a little bit of which uh, survives. And this is the point I'm going to bring to your attention today. Uh, those of you who consider yourselves Maimonidians or Maimonides experts. Most people, to the degree they know anything about the Rambam, let's put it this way, they read Mishnah Torah, bits and pieces, or more or less, or more or less. You know, I don't know you. You know, people have obviously in Shiva experience learned the Rambam. Some people are taken with it that they learn Hochalachim. I'll give you an example, Hechos Chuba, you know, something like that. Hechos uh, um, maybe you're very learned and you learn Hilchus Beis Bechira. I don't know. Now, um, that's one way of encountering the Rambam, and that's, I suspect, the most common. Those who are a little bit more will uh, read the Rambam's Pirsha Mishnah. It's out now, and uh, Rambam wrote, just you should know, everything the Rambam wrote, everything was in Arabic, Judeo-Arabic, except the Mishnah Torah, that he wrote in Hebrew on purpose. So the Pirsha Mishnah is, uh, which is the first Pirish ever in the Mishnah, uh, a real one in the whole Mishnah, is in Arabic, Judeo-Arabic, when, of course, the guys we're talking about can read Judeo-Arabic. So, um, uh, that, then you re- learn the Ram a little more deeply. Get it? Then you do, for example, Dr. the Perchelet, and things like that. You know, uh, those who want to go a little bit more deep, or more Rambam fans, uh, they'll do the famous essays of Maimonides. The Gers Taman, for sure. Hakdam the Perchelik, for sure. Uh, perhaps the Gers Chiyas Amazon, I'm not sure if you're into that. But, you know, these are famous. The Ramam's letter to Avadya the Ger, the Ramam's letter about, uh, what do you call it, astrology. There's where you learn more about the man, Maimonides. Okay? And then those who even go lifting for lifting, they say, oh, we did the Marnavuchim. Not too many have done that. But suppose the guy did all this. He said, oh, no, I did the um, Mishnah Torah and Pish Mishnayis uh, pretty extensively. And now we have good Hebrew translations of the Pish Mishnayis. Uh, it's Kapach, you know, the three-volume business. Kapach. I'm still waiting for Nakudas, you know me. But um, but Kapach is very good because he was a Yemenite, so he knew Arabic cult. Uh, that's the, 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 the state of the art, as far as I know. Uh, you know, for most rough cult. And um, uh, the letters of the Rambam, you know, in various forms. Uh, when I say the letters of the Rambam, I'm talking about the essays. I shouldn't use the word letters. The essays. Because the Igeris Taman is called Igeris, but it's really an essay about fundamentals of Judaism, which is a fascinating read. The letter to Yemen is, is unbelievable. Um, the Hakdama de Perchelik, again, same thing. And uh, then the Moronavuchim is what it is. It's a tough slog. Now, then you figure like this. Now I know the Rambam is. Those who are a little more, more uh, scholarly will then say like this. No, there are Shalos and Shubas and Rambam, which there are. And these would be halachic things primarily. There's the Blau edition, this edition, that edition. 
No question about it. And there, you know, I don't think many people go there. There you learn the Rambam is a, is a dying, shall we say. But then there's something which I don't think most people get into, and I'm not even sure they know about it. Those who do, do. Those who don't, don't. These are the personal letters of Maimonides. His, his chatty correspondence. Okay? The ch- most chatty of which is with our hero, Yosef ben Yehud ben Shimon. Uh, the Rambam has all kind of letters uh, of various sorts, some formal, some informal. The letters to this guy are informal. And here he lets his hair down. Here you see the real Rambam. Uh, the Lashon Hara, the intrigue, his feelings about people, his ideas uh, about uh, life and, and things in general, uh, his relationship with our, our hero. And uh, these are really fantastic. Now, it used to be <coughs> that um, if you want to get these letters, it used to be something called Kovates uh, Igris Arama or something like that. I, I have mine at home I've had for many years. Kovates Chubis Arama Igris and Kedushi Rambam, Igris Rambam, you know, in, in Rashi print. That was published in the 1800s by uh, historians in Germany. Uh, they're good. They're translations usually from the Arabic. They're fine. You know, I mean, better translation, worse translations. But it's always bunched together in chicken scratch. It's not inviting, shall we say. Uh, and it's not 100% well-edited, uh, Gearsa-wise or other ways as well. However, about 20 years ago, or something like that, a well-known uh, Talmud Chacham, an Israel intellectual, uh, Rabbi Yitzhak Shilat, who has the yeshiva, I believe, to keep us through the yeshiva in um, Malaya Dumim, I believe. Right? So he's obviously a Rambam nut. I say that in the best sense. This was 1995. And he uh, took the trouble to become an Arabic scholar. Right? So now he obsessed on the Rambam, which is a good thing. And, um, by the way, he also learned by... Uh, He's a funny guy. He learned by Tzvi Yehuda Koch and also by uh, uh, Gedalia Nadal, who uh, Sal Stavansky uh, told me he knew, knew as well. Uh, if you don't know what that is, then don't worry about it. Uh, anyhow, uh, so he had an interesting background and he's very, very into the Rambam and he made it a passion of his to retranslate and put in a much clearer and more accurate and clean editions of some of these things that I've been talking about such as the essays of the Rambam and all the rest of it, the most important of which, in my mind, is his two-volume business called Igros Rambam, in which he has, he, he really did his homework. And uh, uh, he did all the classic uh, letters of the Rambam, the essays, but also the personal letters. And it's really good. And um, these are all the famous, uh, for those historians, you know, all the famous personal letters and things like this Rambam has, or many uh, ways. It's very, very good. So if you're at all interested in what I'm talking about today, and you never heard of it before, one of the things you want to do is go to the store and get the uh, um, Igros from Yitzhak Shilat, Harav Yitzhak Shilat, right? I think it looks like he published it himself in Mali Adamim. And he gives you the Arabic, and then he gives you the Hebrew. And I love the Hebrew because he's got Nakudas. So he won my heart. Now, um, this edition... Uh, has, as I said before, the very, very well-known things that even some of you have heard about. Uh, you know, the uh, Geras Hashemad and the, I don't know, the, you know the, like I say, the letter to Yemen and things like that. And the letter to Avadia de Ger, which is very cute. But then he has a second, we call Chativashniya, a second uh, group of more personal letters. Um, 
And this is like private correspondence. I don't know how they survive. You know, a, a specialist in this will tell you how this, the tech survived. Did the Ramam keep copies and they were in the Cairo Geneza? Did the student keep copies and they were in Aleppo somewhere? I don't know. I, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, somebody obviously made copies. And uh, uh, what do you call it? Here you have a bunch of letters, about a half a dozen or so or more, between Maimonides on the one hand and our hero on the other, Yosef ben Yehuda ibn Shimon, called Yosef ben Yehuda. So uh, among the most famous of this, this is the one that people have heard of, uh, if you're a Marnabuchum guy at all, is the intro to the Marnabuchum. Because the Rambam wrote it for this guy. I told you before, he moved away after learning for two years. He was disappointed he didn't find the Holy Grail. It's not like learning the Rambam in five minutes cured him of his, of his kashas. He still had a lot of issues. Both guys had to get on with their life. Both guys were going to be doctors, which means you have to devote your time to your medical practice, you know, uh, and to build it up. I'm serious. I'm very serious about that. And, you know, so both of them had full lies. But what is is, even though he's in Aleppo, once in Cairo, they, they're corresponding. And the uh, Rambam, very famously, if you know anything about all about the, um, what do you call it, the Myrna uh, uh, so you may have seen, this is something people may have seen, uh, the Rambam's uh, letter to our hero, because that's who he wrote it for. And he says, Kasher Amarata Lefanai Talmidi Akar Rabbi Yosef Ben Yehuda, when uh, you were last before me, when you, when I first when you first stood before me as a student years ago, Yosef Ben Yehuda, Bevocha Mikatsvi Arts Lake Rami, when you came from far away to learn with me, uh, I, 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 your Erech was great in my eyes, knows I, I had respect for you, because you had already learned up a lot, and I told you before, the guy had a medical degree, and because I saw you had an interest in, in intellectualism and abstract philosophy, which were reflected in your poems, so obviously the guy must have written some poems, Showed it to Rambam. I can tell you right now, the Rambam was a guy who was mass and science all the way. He had no time for poems. I mean, that's not what turned him on. On the other hand, the content of the poem was one, obviously, in which the poet must have, um, you know, uh, yearned for um, intellectuality, you know. And he said, and, and I like that. And when I say intellectuality, I mean the best sense. To know God, you know, that sort of thing. But to do it in a serious way, I'm ready to take a college course. And uh, in fact, you arrived in Alexandria, the Ram was in Cairo. And when your letters that you wrote to me reached me, before I knew the level of your IQ, I didn't know you. And so obviously the guy wrote a poem or poems and he wrote letters to the Ram and I want to learn by you. I'll be a Talmud of you, show me the way. And I thought maybe your um, desire is bigger than your IQ. This is very my my, my idea. You can't learn this stuff unless you have the necessary IQ. Most Jews are not going to be really proper Jews because they're just not smart enough. <laughs> right? Uh, but when we started going through a course in um, astronomy, Okay, uh, and of course, before we did astronomy, I had to give you a course of math. So here's a guy learning by the Rambab, math and science. <laughs> so when I saw 
notice I gave you assignments and, you know, I tested you. Then I got very happy, the Rambam says. Because I saw you had a good quality mind. What they call in English a beautiful mind. And you were quick on the draw. Notice you hopped quickly. Mathematica. And I saw how uh, much you yearn for math, meaning you had a natural tendency. And that's Matsumina's Mino, because the Rambam is loving in math. The reason math is you see the beauty of it. I'm not a math person. I hate math. My father loved math. But, but I know it's a beautiful world. Okay? And the, and the you know, the, 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 the system, the whole thing about math. Therefore, I let you go and really throw yourself into math, hoping, right? Because I know what you're going to get to eventually. In other words, Math teaches you logical thinking. You can't approach God, Torah, any of that sort of thing without learning logical thinking. And then we move beyond that to formal logic, which of course is math applied. To Then I start to have hope in you. Meaning the realm I'm saying like this, I'm surrounded by frummies and dummies right? and, uh, and uh, skeptics. I'm looking for a from enlightened person. I'm surrounded by frummies, by dummies, by skeptics. And I thought you will be Lamar Tasegia. I hope you'll you 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 be you, you, I had hopes in you what you would reach. I would actually find somebody I could talk to would be in the same wavelength as me. So that tells you about what's the right word, the intellectual isolation of Maimonides, who's this great person in Egypt, is fascinating to me. And uh, sure he can talk to the Dionym about cases, no question about it. He can talk in learning with anybody. He could even talk with Arab scholars in, in philosophy. But he can't. He can't find somebody combines the two, right? When you when we learned um, a logic, formal logic, then So once I saw that you learned uh, math, uh, logic, astronomy, that sort of things, then I said, now we can learn Torah. So you'll understand the Nevoah means the Chumash, the Tarnavim Suvim, what Shlemim Badas can do. Now that you're grounded in in being able to think clearly and throwing out what's not to be held in and keeping what's held to be, now I saw it's great. So I showed you Rasha Prakam. To the Ram, this is like learning Kabbalah. And what I mean, it's not formal Kabbalah, you know, like the Zohar, but you're learning Elokus. Let's put it that way. And, you know, they say that you can only give Rashi Prakum. And I saw you wanted to go Vaitra. That you want to learn more in Yonim Ho Elohim. So, in other words, you want to learn Tanakh, but then you want to take it Vaitra. So, for example, I'm just making this up. What is the meaning of Shemayim? What's the meaning of Arts? What is the meaning of Bore? You know, and all that. And I should teach you a basic philosophy course of the Madarm. That's the Mutakalimun, the Arab, the Muslim philosophers at that time. To know the ABCs of, of basic theology. And to see if their uh, Mahalachs of contemporary philosophers are really based on sound thinking, Mosios. And if they're not really demonstrable, then what exactly are they? Now, what is philosophy? 
So here's a guy who's actually interested in something called the truth, right? And the truth that can be apprehended by reason, which is not what you find among the skeptics, among the frummies, among the dummies. And I saw you learned from another guy uh, other than myself. So in other words, you must have gone to someone else's classes, which was a mistake. And now, based on the way the other guy taught you, you're confused, you're perplexed. You're, you're going through intellectual crisis. You're hitting with a shock. Meaning, the from side, and the guy who ever taught you, must have given you anti-from arguments, and now you have a, a, a religious crisis. And your wonderful soul, meaning I know you're deep down a good person, is not letting you alone, and it's pushing you to find the right solution. So I undertook to keep you away from that sort of thing, which is to say, don't get involved in the questions that the kashas that the guy raised you. Instead, learn things from one to two to three to four. No, it's in a logical order, and then Mela, the answers will come. Right? My idea is, if you learn in the logic, then the truth will unfold itself little by little. Not that you'll just stumble into the truth uh, by a matter of luck. So this is very Mamadina or any intellectual. I'll give you an example. Suppose you ask me, explain in two seconds the American Revolution. You can't explain the American Revolution. I can tell you what happened before and how this led to this and that led to that and that led to that. And Mamela, all your questions will be answered. But you're not going to you know, get right away you know, answers to the kashas just like that. Bamesha call Yosli Madi, and the Ramam goes on. When you were with me, whenever you um, we ran into a problematic passage, let's put it that way, okay? Whenever we looked into a problematic uh, passage, um, uh, what do you call it? So I told you that, um, what do you call it? Uh, I tried, I always never held back from explaining it. Notice, when you came to me with a specific Shvera Pasuk or Chazal, I did that. And when you had to part, you had to take off to Syria. Our encounters um, um, inspired me to reach a decision which I wasn't clear about before. To write a book. So in other words, I haven't, so the Rambam is saying, my relationship with you, this two-year-old relationship, has not only helped you, but it's helped me uh, come to, uh, what's the right word? To a decision to put my thoughts in a book on this subject. It's something I had in my mind for years, but I never had the kind of relationship that I had one-on-one with you. And therefore, I'm writing this Mernavuchim. And I'm writing it for you and people like you, and there aren't too many of those. Because I told you before, from the Ramah's perspective, I'm not saying the Ramah's right, I'm just saying from the Ramah's perspective, the world is characterized, Jewish world is, frummies, dummies, and speak skeptics, you know, non-from. Uh, guys like you are very few. I see some prokim prokim, and I wrote them in chapters, and uh, as I conclude chapter by chapter, I'll send you each chapter in the mail. So this is a very famous 
uh, letter, often uh, quoted, translated in every edition of Marnabuchim, and it gives you a little bit of an idea, this is the only way we know, gives a little bit of idea of who our hero was. You can sort of pull out the way the Ram was describing to him the nature of their relationship, and the fact that even though he was two years of the Rambam, he still had a lot of kashi, still had a lot of fakers, with nothing necessarily wrong with that, in the sense of being an apicorus or something, that nature, not at all. But on the other hand, it didn't. It wasn't as nice and simple as you would imagine. Now, he set up, as I said before, as a doctor in Aleppo, and uh, he may have moved to, uh, I don't want to get into too many details, he may have moved for a while to Baghdad. The Rambam, um, in in the 1180s and 1190s, uh, had uh, certain controversies. I intend to speak about this soon in my lecture series, um, which, during his lifetime, with uh, with the Gon in Babel, let's put it this way, with the yeshivas in Babylonia, these yeshivas held themselves to be big learners, and they didn't like the more, uh, the Mishnah Torah's sock in a lot of things, right? Dramam does not hold to be big learners. In his letters to this our hero, he always writes a bunch of dummies and all that sort of thing. Writes very condescendingly, uh, because you know the Ram had called Torah Klar, and they were just being you know big Russia. She was hawking, in his the way he sees it, and uh, they held themselves to being secularly educated to him as a joke. Says so the way uh, you know I've seen a lot of times this rabbi that Russia she was. Doesn't really know what he's talking about, but they read an English book or two, and now they're already bloviating on um, you know topics beyond the Gemara. If they want to stick to giving a magad share, that's one thing that they know. When you in broad you know terms, that they don't know so well, right? They think you know you learned a little bit, you know the whole business. The Rambam is basically what we say today a PhD times ten, and therefore we say you know you guys don't even understand the beginning, understand what you holding. All this stuff comes out in letters. So if you get the Igras Shilat. I'm talking about this edition, because uh, I don't have the time in this to read all of them. But I'll read you one or two pieces to give you an idea. I think it's fascinating. Uh, and again, these are translated from the Arabic. Uh, little pieces of what the Rambam writes to our hero. And here's one about the Mishnah Torah. Because as I said before, I'm talking about a period in which the Mernabukum was out, not out yet. But the Mishnah Torah was uh, attacked on various grounds. And... Uh, uh, and the Rambam is writing here. I'm again. I'm reading the Hebrew translation, and he says, um, and again, I repeat, this is the Rambam letting his hair down in a private letter to a confidant. This wasn't meant to be published, but they kept copies, and it eventually got published. right? He says, I've already, uh, you know, uh, uh, told you. Bo is a plight. Make your business to get my book and read it. Mishnah Torah. Don't be lazy until you get read it. Make it yours. Meaning, cover, read my, my Sefer, the Mishnah Torah, from cover to cover. And teach it wherever you go. So this is an idea of a yeshiva that you and I are just not familiar with. Uh, instead of learning Gemara and so forth, you, you have a yeshiva in which you learn Mishnah Torah. And uh, I guess the job of the Rebbe is, I'm not sure, is, uh, you know, when, when, um, I'm just not sure. Because I don't think he worked backwards and, 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 and did it out of the Gemara, but you had to do it to some degree. Uh, but that's what he says. Yasei <speaking in Hebrew> 
The Rama here says something very fascinating. And I repeat, this was not meant for a publication. He's letting his hair down in private. And he says, my book, the Mishnah Torah, um, is really what the Gemara is all about. The Tachas HaMechuvenes, the real purpose the Gemara was written, right? Uh, is lost. No, the Yeshivas have buried it. But Tachas HaLamdonim the Lamdonim today spend their time in Lamdas and Pilpul. Now, I'm using the note here. Klomar, Hatachas HaMechuvenes Batalmud, which is a Sukkish Maitzit Aliba de Hilchaso. The Gemara was written to know the Din. Nishka Chemin Aleve and Nechrasada Rambam saying this idea of a Sukkish Maitzit Aliba de Hilchaso is lost in Yeshivas. Ki Lamdonim Oskim Rambal Lamdonis, because you know, the Yeshivas are only to the Lamdas. So this is an old argument, okay? And uh, here he's writing to a student this. And v'tachos alam donim kiluizman b'masamat and shabbatalmit. And what they do in the yeshiva is the tachos alam donim is to kill time, kiluizman, kill time in lomdus masamat and shabbatalmit. This is incredible. Kilu hakavona v'tachos kilu ima be'bikuach. Notice the yeshivas give off the message. That the purpose of the Gemara was the lambdas, ha'imun bebikuach, right? To get used to talking and learning, meaning bikuach, you know, arguing back and forth and learning. That's the ikker. Lo zula said that that alone. Vizulo hoisa kamanu and the Rambam is saying is that is not why they put the Gemara together. When Ravina Ravashi or whoever it was, you know, assembled what we call the Gemara, the purpose was not to leave a text to encourage others to hack in learning. Okay? Uh, the the pilpul back and forth in the Gemara happened uh, accidentally. I mean that as a historical accident. Meaning, when there was a, a statement that is not clear, could go more than one way. So one Tana or Amaro, you know, Explain it one way, and the other time it went another way. Meaning, something that was totally clear, there's nothing to talk about. Something that you could have debate about ended up being debated. Not because the debate itself is good, but because they're both trying to figure out what's going on. See, each of the two debaters tried to bring proofs and so forth, as one does, to try to, to argue that his interpretation is the correct one. But that's just, like I say, Bimikra, that's an accident of, as a result of the fact that they weren't clear what was going on, right? Had they been, they wouldn't have done this. So again, the the the, the back and forth is not the reason for the Gemara, it's just the unfortunate result of a lack of clarity uh, among the Italian Mamarim. Uh, where is it? The original purpose of the Gemara was to know what to do, what to do, what to do, and what not to do. And this is obvious to somebody of your intelligence. So when I wrote the Mishnah Torah, I'm trying to return things to the original pristine form. Just know what the din is, okay? Just know the halacha, lahakel and to make it easy to remember. Yesterday I came. In addition to that, lahodio. I want you to know, Levisha Kvar Ovid, Betoch called Divri Masamatan, 
you can get buried in the lambdas. See, see, here's the Rambam. The Rambam always seems to have the approach. I was a genius, so I could handle all the lambdas, but most people can't. And you get buried in it. Now, remember, we're talking about before the Shulchan Aruch existed, before the Rambam existed. You know, long ago, the Gemara is just a mass of words, let alone the different sukkis in different places. So he's right about that. So it's a rare person to confine Yadam Raglayim in all this kind of stuff. Even today, you have to be, you know, pretty good to know, you know, what the din is at the end. And most people look for cheater books, which is okay. Uh, you're buried under all the Masamat in the Gemara. So I just gave, as you, as we all know, the final halacha, and I left the rest of it. For somebody who wants to spend his time in Lomdas. Okay? No, if that's what you want to do, to get into the Lomdas, fine. But right? Uh, and especially if somebody's interested, not in the Lomdas, but in the, in the original purpose, that's the derech to go. So, I mean, it's a, you know, the Rambam doesn't use these words exactly in his introduction to the Mishnah Torah. He's, he, as is very famous and controversial, he said, all you need is my safer and another safer. But me, myself, and I, I don't take that to mean that you shouldn't you drop the Gemara. Uh, I'm serious. I mean, that's a discussion I'll do some other time. But here it seems that in Hanami, he's uh, sort of saying that. Now, I think that when the Rambam's talking to this guy, He's talking, it's like a private relationship, and he spoke to him in, in the Sprach that the guy would understand. That's that's what I think. Uh, but it's very interesting to see the Rambam talking like this, right? And I repeat, it was not meant for a public, so there's a certain voyeur, you know, except that these things are published, they're well known, they've been published for centuries, and so I'm not telling you anything that's a, that's a secret. Uh, and you see what I'm trying to say when I say that um, when you read the letters of the Rambam to Rabbi Yosef, uh, ben Yehuda, you talk uh, um, see very, very interesting personal aspects of who Maimonides was. Uh, it gets even better or worse, if you want, when uh, they bring down, uh, they discuss uh, the criticism leveled against Rambam by uh, Shmuel ben Eli the Gon in, uh, in Baghdad. The Rambam had no time for him. And he said, Listen, you know, these guys are carried away with their titles. And they don't want to learn, and you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's all pretty lush and hard, Dick. But I, I keep repeating over and over again: these are private communications. There's a whole letter: Mitoch Igros El Yosem Yehuda Binyan Hamachlokis Im Rosh Im Rosh Hashiva. The Machlokis with the Gonim, and uh, it's a uh, very lengthy, right? But the Hebrew is wonderful, um, and Shilat did really a great um, job. And he tries to show the Ram in a very um, dismissive way. The guy reads the Gemara is wrong, the Mishnah wrong, and this, that, and the other. Uh, it's really something. And as I said before, I'm just informing you this person exists. Those of you who are willing, excuse me, interested in, in pursuing this, will go after Yosef ben Yehuda ben Shimon, and uh, you get this uh, Shilah book, and uh, you'll see a side of the Rambam you usually don't see. That's my point. You'll see the side of the Rambam you usually don't see. I hope to, to cover some of this in my upcoming uh, series. Now, uh, I can't forbear to say that there's another piece of info we have over here from my favorite hero, the poet Al-Kharizi. Uh, the poet Al-Kharizi. 
I could do just Al Harizi podcast every week. One of his poems in the Tachamoni is extraordinary. They all are. And he goes on a survey of the whole Jewish world. And he tells Lashon Hara who's good and who's bad in different towns. Because he visited, as I told you when I did him, uh, many places. And he's a fantastic poet. So he talks about who's who in Spain, who's who in North Africa, who's who in Egypt, Eretz Israel, and then Syria, and then to Iraq. And he'll say, in this town of such and such, and he's good, in this town of such and such, he's bad. And I don't know, he's like chatty. You understand? It's like reading a news column or a gossip column. Like you say, oh, I visited Lakewood, and here's somebody who holds himself for Rosh Hashim, he really doesn't know anything. Here's another guy who nobody listens to, but he really does know his things, and here's another guy who's very charitable, and so on and so forth. So, uh, you got to read to yourself. It's long. It's a, it's a poem number 46 in the Tachamoni. And he says over there, now this is written after Rambam's death, and our hero is like a doctor, and a Rav, a Rosh Hashim, maybe a Rosh Seder in Aleppo. I don't know exactly how that worked because he doesn't come across to me as somebody was no uh, gone, you know, a Bucky Bashaz or something like that. But nevertheless, he became a big deal. And maybe he plugged away. And maybe we don't have the letters between him and the Rambam and Lambdas. You know, it's totally possible. And um, I'm just reading you from the Tachimoni. Uh It's very long, it's in the middle. He said, Misham Bosi Lir Melucha Hiram Tzoba Brucha. They came to Aram Tzoba, which is Aleppo. Kisham Siva Shem is a Brucha. And he says, Umilvad Noam Midas Kaholeho. And aside from the beauty of the Midas of the Kahal, the Chamudas Atileho, and the grandeur of its uh, of its elite. Boy, Leo Zeshloshim Shonah Moshiach Barov. 30 years ago, they arrived here, Moshiach Barov. Me'eretz Ma'arov. That's our hero. Chachmoso kikoheles, sichlo gigacheles, lishono esh ocheles. Right, and he even says, "Gevir yeshag b'chol chachma kariye." He shouts with all the chachma like a lion. V'yitro v'leiv mesei seichel kolavi. V'yom chachmas lofi nikor v'nivka. The yam he can he can split the yam uh, like Moses. The yam chachmos lepiv nikro v'nivka. He said it, he will split it. That's a very nice way of saying. The, I'll, I'll give an example. Suppose I say a guy was a great Balmazber, a good Magad Shir. I say, it was a Yam, and he split the Yam and showed you how to go through the Sugya. That's a nice marshal, get it? It just looked like a lot of water. There's a lot of words, and you and it's a, and if you try to get in that Sugya, you would drown. And then this guy came along and made a pass. Okay? Be'es Yom Harvi. If the other guys, other Rashibas considered like Elisha, he's like Eliyahu. Yachid Adarba, Holy Bonham, and so on and so forth. But then he he gets into his Lashahara al Kharizi. And he says, He knows in all the sciences, Eser Yados. He's a nice guy. And he did Chiyas Amesim in the intellectual sense. So obviously, he must have been a dedicated Maimonidean and given Shiurim and things like this in Torah and philosophy and science in a firm way. And he, and he blew into the nostrils of their corpses a Ruach Chachma, which I take to mean that he taught them a philosophical religion, you know, in the Ramlastah. I mean, in the good way. 
And he was able to uh, get them to start walking again. So in other words, they were from the dummies, the skeptics, and the frummies, and he turned them into, you know, uh, good Jews, as, as he would call it. Okay? But then, as happens, but then one of his students, uh, uh, what's the right word, opened up a yeshiva of his own and went in competition against him. And he went up like an Ebed, who was a, a, in rebellion. And he didn't remember how the guy was nice to him. He took you from nothing. He took you from Drel, as they say in Giddish, on the ground, up to the skies. And he made him one of the most chashel guys in town. And he bit the hand that fed him. Okay? And he goes, oh, and oh, and oh, and oh, my goodness. You know, column after column. Elazar. The guy, apparently, his name was Elazar. Yishmo Nigzar. He should be dropped dead. He turned out to be Machal Shabbos. I told you. He's like, tell it all. The king called him and he drove there on Shabbos. And this is the guy that's taking on our hero. Okay? Yosef, who has on the Emos. So either our hero was a noble person who was betrayed by one of his students. Very possible. Happens. Or else, or else. Our hero was a guy who gave Al-Kharizi money, you know, uh, when he came there and therefore he likes him. The other guy didn't. And both both are possible. Um, as I said, I don't want to spend another hour reading through the chatty letters from, uh, you know, the uh, Rambam to, to uh, Yosef ibn uh, Yehuda ibn Shimon. You can, and I advise you to, you have to get the Igris Rambam Madura Shilat. It's around. Uh, it's sold in all the bookstores. And it's really good if you care about this subject and you really want to get into who the Rambam is really, really, really uh, in terms of his personal, uh, you know, opinions of others and things like that. Uh, and um, the Rambam, uh, so if you get this letter, you'll see it. Uh, as I told you before, it doesn't seem that I found what he's looking for, which means I found the answer to all the kashas. Uh, that's very real to me. You see? That means they had a real relationship. The Rambam, of course, will ascribe it to say, listen, at the end of the day, you know, you weren't A+. Plus. You're A-, minus, you're B+. Plus. You know, if you're A+, plus, you would see the way through and answer all the kashas. Uh, not in a, as I say, in a frummy way, but in a, what do you call, rias mosios, through a correct, logical, philosophical proofs. That's the Derek and the Rambam. Uh, so they had this very interesting relationship, but they were always friends. And uh, the Rambam says, I always think of you and that sort of thing, and when um, the guy lost a daughter, the Rambam said, I too lost a daughter, and uh, I know what it's like, it's a very moving letter, actually, uh, thank God I have a son, the Rambam says, you know, so they had a real Rebbe Talmud relationship, even though it's not usually what we think of as a Rebbe Talmud relationship in, say, the art scroll, we're showing him since, uh, and uh, so with that, I would therefore say, uh, if you want to see this side of the Rambam, so get these uh, edition and read the letters, and I think it'll, it'll be very interesting. And it shows us uh, the importance of the human being side of things. Hold on for a minute.
Yeah, I had to, uh, just to finish up here. What's interesting is, it shows you how much in life is contingent. Uh, suppose the Rambam never met this guy. Uh, he wouldn't have written Murnabuchu. He would have been very frustrated. Um, we have nobody to talk to, at least as I understand it. I mean, a few people maybe, but nobody really took him seriously. As I said before, he would just consider himself to be surrounded by frummies and dummies and, and, and apocorsum and skeptics and try to be, do the best he can, you know, try to communicate the truths of Judaism best he can for an audience that would would have no shaykhs to philosophy whatsoever. Uh, maybe that wouldn't be good, maybe it wouldn't be, but I'm just telling you, that's what it is. And here he meets a guy who says, I guess, I want to learn by you. I hold what you're doing. I hold your derech as the right derech. Uh, I myself have enough of an education that, you know, we we have what to talk about, and you can guide me. And uh, But the Rambam, let's put it this way, it doesn't deliver instant gratification. You know, after 10 sessions with the Rambam, the guy says, oh, now I see the light. I have no cautious. No, yeah, still a cautious. And, you know, philosophy doesn't solve everything. Now, to the Rambam, it does. But to, the, <laughs> to this guy, it doesn't. And, uh, you know, after with him for two years, he still writes, he says, I have, I have problems, I have this, that, and the other. Hey, how do you understand this in the Torah? How do you understand this in the Gemara? And all the rest of it. It's a totally uh, valid. You can, you could hear that even today. Uh, you know, the person could say, I have issues with this, I have issues with that. And the Rambam is like always writing to him, you know, uh, there's no instant answers. But if you, you know, pursue the Chachma properly, and then you'll apply that to understanding the Torah and the Vimsub and the Gemara, then little by little, enlightenment will, will appear. So it's not like a math question. How much is two plus two? And the answer is four. It doesn't work like that. You understand? It's a different kind of process, a gradual sort of enlightenment. That's the key word. It's not education. It's enlightenment. Uh, it's just very fascinating. Now, if he never met this guy, he never would remember him. And he probably would have nobody could, he could he could share on any of this stuff with, you know. Um, uh, so it, it it shows a personal element of in the life of the Ram and people like that. Uh, I'm sure there are many other great people that found themselves in a similar situation, but they had no one to talk to. Right? They had no one to talk to. They didn't want to hurt the simple faith of the uh, the worshippers in their communities. They didn't want to uh, you know agree with the skeptics. Uh, they're looking for the middle road, which is the road of uh, you know from plus enlightenment, which is easier said than done. And uh, you know uh, maybe they'll run into somebody, maybe they'll run into somebody. And so it's 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 just uh, it's uh, extremely interesting to see who in history uh, met up with the right uh, shall I say disciple or interlocutor, and who did not. Anyway, those are just a few thoughts over here. As I say, I don't want to make this forever. And with that, I bid you a good day. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.